Hey there, welcome to the Etcetera Show. I'm Chris. Uh, I got Joe with me, and Paul is coming half in a little bit. He's kind of like the relief pitcher, right? Yeah, I guess. When we got tired arms, then he'll just come in and light them up. He's like the uh, who's a famous relief pitcher? Um, uh, Mariano Rivera. He's a re- Mariano Rivera of his podcast. Uh, How about that? You would have to choose out of the Evil Empire, wouldn't you? Well, or maybe Doug Jones. Remember him? <laughs> Barely. <laughs> yeah, he had like a real big mustache, and he, he yeah. was what eighties, early nineties guy, and he was actually good for a while. Eckersley. The relief pitcher that always pops into my head because I lived in Kansas City in 1985 is Dan Quisenberry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, He used to pitch submarine style. And I can't tell you how many hours I spent trying to figure out how to do that. It was a lot. It was many hours. I I think we've talked about this. I'm not the baseball fan I used to be. But, man, back at that time, I used to be a baseball nut. Um, Raleigh Fingers was fun because he had a big weird mustache. You're I'd a fan like, of the facial hair, I know. Yes, yes. Well, the guy I really liked, it was funny. I grew up in Southern Ohio when I was a little kid, and we had access to, like, TN, not TNT, TBS. Uh-huh. So I saw a lot of Braves games growing up. Yeah. Um, I think their guy was Bruce Suter. I don't know, he didn't do much for me. But the dude I loved was um, Lee Smith. He was the old relief pitcher for the Cubs. Uh-huh. He had a big guy. He came in. And he threw it like 500 miles per hour. That was fun. That was fun <laughs> to watch. So I, you either have to have facial hair or you have to throw it like really, really fast. And so the really the sweet spot is when they do both. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was strange because there was a guy for the Indians. Oh, who is his name? They had a guy that was a relief pitcher that was like a slow ball pitcher. He really didn't have a fastball. So he threw a lot of breaking balls, and like I guess he didn't throw a pitch over eighty-five miles per hour, but he was their reliever, like their closer for a long time, which was unusual. I mean, usually your relief pitcher has some type of speed to him, so I don't know. You hope. Yeah, this is what I love about this thing. I wasn't even thinking even ten seconds before we get into our favorite closing <laughs> pitchers, but hey, we got there, which is good. And we hey. crushed the first two minutes with talks about relief pitchers. <laughs> yeah. We better get to the topic where Paul's going to come and go, what? Why what? are we talking about How relief pitchers? How did we pitchers? transition <laughs> this to what we were supposed to talk about? 90s relief pitchers, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. Oh, yeah, speaking of that, I think the last time we talked about baseball was what, Rich Yet? Uh, we were talking to that guy oh, yeah, who yeah. just got the autograph from Rich after 25 years. Haven't tried him again, but Rich Yet is still out there. So, Rich, if you're... Someone across the podcast, come on. He'll be fun. We enjoy it. I don't know if you would, but we would enjoy it. Um, but he's talk- going to come on, and we'll talk about nothing that has anything to do with baseball. Oh, of course. Right. That's the that's the advantage. I mean, We're talking I, about why there are different flavors of Mountain Dew. Yes. Why? Yes. Why would you do that? There's no yes. point. Definitely. Nobody has asked for this. We don't need oh. more flavors of Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew is a flavor. Just give us that. We are trying, uh, Craig, the guy I do the podcast with on Mondays, um, we've got that friendship with the Ohio Governor Press Secretary. So we mm-hmm. spent some time talking Monday about how can we get him back on. He wants to come on. He's, he's into it. I mean, I think we probably have him on next week if we want to. But I want to get his boss to come on, the governor. And we're trying to figure out topics that, you know, we're not going to sit there and you know, interview him for about topics that affect Ohioans. Who cares about that? I mean, I, I I'm trying to Why? figure out something. Really? I mean, 
He's, Some, the, he's the governor of Ohio. Why waste his, his time right. with things about Ohio, right? Well, we're not meat to press. I mean, you know, come on. You know, we're, we're just... I mean, it's got to be somewhat Ohio related. I don't know. I, the, the meet the press questions are at least on topic. You have no yeah. idea what you're going to get asked and yeah. what kind of trouble you're going to get into by answering a question on, on the Et cetera show. Right. I mean, I may even start talking about relief pitchers. I mean, he's a baseball fan. So um, I, I'm talking with Craig about how do we pitch, you know, something that is silly, but... Uh, good enough the government can get on. But uh, let's go to the topic that I wanted to bring up last week, and we just got into a bunch of other stuff. Um, we talked, uh, what was it, a couple of months ago, I think it was around Christmas time, about how this church in Canada was doing these plays based on famous movies or TV shows or something, and uh-huh. uh, did everything from, what was it, Indiana Jones to, uh, what was the one? Marvel. Uh, yeah, a lot of Marvel. Um, and I'm blanking on the character. Um, Robert Downey Jr. What was his big deal? Iron Man. Iron Man, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Where, Iron Man. Jesus was Iron Man. Yeah, and they were crucifying Iron Man, and they were doing a mix of tub thumping and um, REM. It's in the world as we know it, which... Well, what's because, he you know, Jesus gets knocked down... And then he gets up again. Right. <laughs> and obviously, R.E.M. has seen the world if we know it. Definitely a play on Revelation. You know, R.E.M. was reading Revelation saying, hey, here's here's our take on it. So, I don't know. Uh, but it was interesting. And, and Joe comes with a big uh, theater background. Mm-hmm. And Joe correctly brought up the fact that it's illegal. You can't just sit here. Like, we can't do our own version of... A play. I mean, there there are some legal things we have to run through. Well, uh, there oh. there are some there are some ways around copyright, like uh, satire and spoof and right that kind of stuff. So, like, there are ways for some somebody like Saturday Night Live, say, to get away with with parodying something to a certain extent. And but even, you know. Weird Al Yankovic is care- careful about getting the rights to do the songs that he does. We, <laughs> you know? we had on, and this was near the beginning. I, I don't think you even knew about the podcast at the time. We had on, uh, the office came to Columbus, and it wasn't the NBC office. They had this spoof parody where they changed the office to a musical. Yeah. And we had the girl to play Michael Scott come on the show mm-hmm. and she's talking about how they were able to get away with it like she said the office wasn't happy with it it wasn't like you know steve crow was going oh i want to know more about this um but they were able to get away with it without being sued up and down so yeah it was kind of interesting there are uh, ways of you know making subtle changes so that technically it's not the same thing and whatever else but for the most part somebody wants to capitalize on the success of something else they you know they just kind of try to steal it because if, yeah. if you've bought the cd and learned all the songs therefore you have the right to perform it as well and we bring this up again because uh, apparently a uh, church in texas didn't listen to what we talked about in the podcast before so they thought it might be fun and this was earlier this month they did a production of the hit musical hamilton which i mean you know, look at that show. I mean, you want to bring people into your church, 
You sit there and say, hey, did you get tickets to Hamilton? Oh, no, it's really hard to get tickets. Well, come to our version of Hamilton. So they did their own version of Hamilton. Uh, it being a church, the big ploy was, hey, watch Hamilton get saved. And um, uh, we'll post a link to the story with this podcast. Uh, the story had a couple of uh, Twitter clips of videos of you know Hamilton being saved. Um, I didn't see anything on the story, though, Joe. Did they do any of the songs? Like, did they um, yeah, rewrite the some of the hit songs to be Christian? I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, from hit? what I understand, wow. yes. They, re- they rewrote a lot of the songs. Wow. Yeah. And obviously there's concerns there um, because this wasn't like, hey, this is a satire. This is almost like, hey, we're reimagining it, you know, from a Christian perspective. Um, it seems, too, that what got the producers of the Hampton really upset was the fact that this stuff was online. Like, apparently there was, like, a live stream that you could watch. For a while, you couldn't watch, I think, a version on YouTube or something. And they sent a cease and desist order. And to be honest, they were kind of nice with his church. I mean, they could have sued him, and they could have been like, hey, you're, you know, we're going to sue the pants off you. But they literally let them go on with another production of it. But they said, okay, you can't put anything online. You know, you can't do it live stream or anything. Um, when will these churches learn? Um, no. They're not. And we talked about that last time. I, I guess here's the other question I have. And I, I was researching some of the tweets that went out with this um, production. People are saying it's almost like in the 80s, where if you were trying to evangelize the people, you're just, you're like, okay, the only way we can make it work is if we rewrite some popular thing out there. It's right. like the message of God is, you know, you can't just share with somebody the message of God. You got to, you know, make it into a Hamilton thing or you got to make it into a, you know, something else that's popular. And, and that's kind of weird in many ways. Yes. That's very, it's very weird. Well, because the sad part is that there's a lot of things that are going on in Hamilton that don't directly translate to the, the, the message that they're, that the church is wanting to put out by staging this Hamilton production because they made so many changes to the lyrics and the storyline. So it's not even that they really want Hamilton. They literally are trying to trick people to come in to watch their show by calling it Hamilton. Right. And stealing as many pieces of Hamilton as they can to justify it. And here's the other thing that bothers me, too. I think in the heart of hearts, they're probably like, oh, wow, this is cool. I'm sure Hamilton wouldn't have a problem with it. We're trying to do our own version. That's fine. But, you know, and, you know, we talked about this with Paul, like, the, the other time. It destroys your testimony. Because if you're sitting there going... I don't want to convince someone to become a Christian just based, uh, like, okay, if you're, and they said 30 people got saved each night. So apparently people got saved from doing this or whatever. Um, but if you're, it, it sounds like a weird way of converting people. I was talking with a group next week. I was, I'm preparing for this meeting with this Christian group. And they're concerned about culture issues, like, you know, oh, we're, you know, Christians are losing the war on culture and everything. Well, how is doing something like this helping your argument? And if you're sitting there and just, it just presents a weird version of Christianity. 
Like, I, I, you know, you might sit there and say, well, a bunch of people got saved. Well, did they get saved because they thought it was cool that you did a version of Hamilton? I and mean, is that what your faith is based on? You know, I, I just, I don't know. It, it's very strange. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of questions about, there's a lot of questions about, uh, I guess you would say the creativity of the people who are involved in this production, it takes a lot of energy and creativity to make those changes to a thing, to rehearse that show and try to do, to try to do any type of version of it. It's a, it's a really difficult show. Um, but do we not have the capacity to create an original story that would also be moving? And that would also be bring people to Christ and be able to do all of that other thing. Why would we pour all of our energy into stealing somebody else's homework? Or pick another forefather to <laughs> tell the story. Why did you got to be a forefather? Like, I don't. <sighs> well, instead of him to do Benjamin Franklin or do yeah, John no, Abs or no, something. You know, or <laughs> no. Listen, Hamilton was a, doing Hamilton was a terrible idea. If you go down through. If you go on through musical theater history and look at all of the really, really great musicals, every single one of them, especially for the time that they were doing it, was just a horrible idea. What oh, a... We're going to redo Romeo and Juliet, but set it in New York City with uh, yeah. New York City gangs. That's a terrible idea. But it then became a huge hit. Uh, I'm going to do a, a rock musical based on the, the, the life of Jesus Christ. No, that's a terrible idea. But it was Jesus Christ Superstar, and it became a big thing. Uh, almost every Sondheim musical was a terrible idea. Uh, <laughs> he was just a master at writing these these shows, and they, they became great once he did them. But, oh my gosh, at the time, we're going to have a hip-hop musical, and it's going to be about the life of the first Secretary of the Treasury of the United States. Why? Why? Uh, of all the people that you would do a musical about, why would you do a musical about Alexander Hamilton? This is well, dumb. Well, it was, but it was it is the mastery of the work yeah. that made it a great idea. Well, there, there's an infamous clip out there of John Stewart when Hamilton first came out because yeah. I think one of the first um, songs they did from it was actually during an event that Obama had at the White House. Yeah, at the White House. And that it was, was the first time it was publicly performed at all, and he did yeah. the uh, the opening. Yeah, and, and John Stewart, like, when he was in The Daily Show, he he excoriated. I mean, he was like, oh, this oh, is sure. horrible, awful. Yeah, sure. Everyone laughed when he said, yeah. I'm going to do a piece from a musical I'm working on about the first Treasury Secretary, Alexander Hamilton. Everybody thought that was a joke. And okay. then he started doing it. And you're like, what? <laughs> well, you're in theater. Okay, so let's do this. Instead of churches ripping off Hamilton. Okay, you're right. It's kind of silly to pick a forefather. Well, what about forefather of, of you know, maybe, or a well-known Christian throughout history? Like, how about Billy Graham? What if we tell them. the I Billy Graham you, story with hip-hop? I think you, with hip-hop? Yeah. See, there's a philosophy behind Hamilton of why he chose hip hop. Okay. Um, other than why it was something that resonated with him, this is a this is a music musical style he's familiar with. Right. But he started being able to make all of these connections to the ways that 
the people, the, the, the politicians at the time, the people who were shaping America, all of the decisions were being made uh, by through argument. And okay. the world of argument that he understood was rap battles. And okay. so started building the connections between the way they use language and the way they battle one another using language and connecting that to the hip hop world. Then other connections started to come in like uh, different styles of rap, things that are simple rhyme schemes versus things that are complicated rhyme schemes. And then having Thomas Jefferson come back from France, but he was so old school, he didn't know how to do these the, the rap battles that they learned during the Revolutionary War, he was more like Cab Calloway or a throwback kind of guy that was a, you know, a precursor to that hip hop language. And so that's what connections were made for him as a creative artist to say, that's why I want to do this. So to, for somebody to just show up and steal the work that was done in a very specific context for a specific purpose to do something completely out of left field for actually, you know, the, the creation of the material. Ah, that's, that's difficult. Right. I think Christians have the same, have the same problem when somebody who for purposes outside of uh, something that would be biblical or godly want to quote uh, a biblical text, take it out of context and make it say something completely different. We have a problem with that, right? Okay. I mean, yeah. Christian people. Okay, so this is somebody who, who is not creating something in a in a faith right. space, who has a problem with someone taking their material and jamming right. faith material into it. Well, and let's bring Paul Yanchek. He just joins us now uh, into the conversation. Um, yeah. And I, I'm sorry, Paul, that I was ranting about your most recent sermon there. But hey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, okay. So you know, so we're talking you can't about preach sermons that are nothing but Princess Bride quotes. Yeah, <laughs> you can't do it, Paul. What, what, Inconceivable. What, 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 you know what you this means when you think it means. Well, we're talking about the Texas church that kind of ripped off Hamilton. Uh, extending the conversation from a couple months ago about the other church that ripped off Iron Man and some other stuff. And obviously it's silly. I mean, if you're thinking about it, I used to go to church that did the same thing, but with like 50s TV shows. So it probably wouldn't make the viral news because no one really cares about 50s TV shows as much as, you know, well, Hamilton. Also, a public performance of it was private back yeah. in those days. Yeah, you know, yeah. For, well, us what to, for us to get up on stage in church and do a skit that's based off of a 50s TV show it's really not that big of a deal because it's not you, you're not necessarily advertising it ahead of time. You're not necessarily drawing money or a uh, well, larger audience based off of the popularity of that thing. That's well, sold more tickets. of a one-off type thing. But this is a whole performance right. that they were live streaming on the intranets. Right. right. Well, and obviously it's it's wrong. Okay. I understand if you're out there in church creatives, you you've got to follow copyright law. I mean, I think. Not everyone understands that, but if you read the law for a couple of minutes, you start to understand that. But what I'm saying, and, and maybe Paul, being a pastor, can have his own thought to it. So let's extend the argument because we, okay, it's it's dumb to rip off Hamilton. Okay, I'm not arguing or advocating for that. But in Christian circles, let's take another figure, either a forefather and Joseph, right? That's probably silly. Or take a Christian leader. 
And let's make, I, I've got an idea. I'm going to throw this out to you guys. Paul, tell me what you think. You're going to put this on the internet, so we won't be yes. able to copyright this after you throw that out. <laughs> yes, at 10 o'clock, we're going to perform our... everybody's. Right. Yeah. At, at 10 o'clock, we're going to perform this production online. <laughs> so learn your lines real quick. you got a couple minutes. Well, here's what I would say. Tell me what you guys think about this. We're, I'm coming up with the next Hamilton from a Christian perspective. Oof. I saw some documentaries recently about Billy Graham. And they talked about how in Billy Graham's crusades, he didn't do this from the start of his ministry, but he started to recognize that rock and roll draws kids into the his revivals and everything. Um, so there was a lot said that um, I actually went up in Cleveland. Uh, they had Billy Graham, Michael W. Smith, DC Talk. Mm -hmm. And that was really revolutionary. And I know, like, my parents who hate rock music of any part, they hate the idea. Like, how, why is Billy Graham doing this or whatever? But they said that was really instrumental because they brought in these rock pop acts that help tell the message. And I think Billy Graham did the same thing with Johnny Cash you know, and some of his other revivals and everything. So, let's do this. Probably silly to make Billy Graham into a hip-hop guy. Not that Billy Graham hated hip-hop, but, but, you know, he was into the early rock and roll scene. So what if Billy Graham told this story of, like, old Elvis songs and old 50s rock songs and everything, you know? So you could take some of his original Elvis and going into Johnny Cash and everything, and, you know, Billy Graham's, like, rocking out to some of those songs. I think the problem with that is nobody outside of the church and nobody under the age of 50 would care. Oh, okay. <laughs> but the, well, part of the conversation that you missed was at the time, who wants to hear a hip hop musical about the second, the secretary of the treasury. Right. Right. From 200 years ago. Like what, who, no one, no one wanted to hear that. But there was a mastery behind the work that they were doing, both in the structure and in the, the writing right. of the music. So right. if somebody's really good, you could make almost anything. But the, I, if you could take the book Les Miserables, which is 800,000 pages of dense French <laughs> revolutionary sadness, and say, I'm going to make a musical out of this, you're insane. But the Phantom of the Opera, a musical? What? It, no. But we're we're now. Uh, this will be a rant, and you know, I can get hate mail for it. But by and large, Christians hate mail right now. Mainstream Christianity tends to not be creative, so the likelihood of somebody in the church context creating something about Billy Graham set to fifties music that people would care about the the odds have diminished to a minuscule level. Of, I mean, if get somebody in a, a secular market to do it, they could probably do a bang up job. Most people within the church would really just make it something embarrassing. Well, that's what we got. AKA start Christian movies. But. I, I mean, there's, there's plenty of th reasons why that is. I'm, uh, honestly, I have a whole master's degree and <laughs> of conversations that are exactly like this. That but was maybe we miss there. your calling. I, I love the fact we podcast together, but Paul's a pastor, Joe's a theater guy, I'm a writer. Man, we could put our minds together and come up with the next Hamilton. And, and we're not ripping off, we're not rewriting you know, songs for popular musicals. I mean, we're coming up with it. So we need like a new, fresh you know, Christian version of Hamilton, but not Hamilton. I mean, writing our own concept, you know? 
Is it Rock Billy Graham? Is it um, I don't know. Maybe Rock who, Billy Graham. Who, who's that lady that wrote all the hymns? Fanny Crosby. Yeah. Fanny Crosby. <laughs> Could you imagine that? How about like a Fanny Crosby, but she tells her story with Metallica. You know what I mean? Like she's not this old. Oh, I'm down to that. Lady. Yeah. I'm here. Let's do it. <laughs> because I not... want to hear what part of Fanny Crosby's story is and her Sandman. Right. <laughs> because if you tell the story of, okay, she's, you know, writing, you know, Amazing Grace or whatever she wrote, you know, come on. I mean, no one's going to watch that. But if you try to twist her story into, like, she's playing heavy metal, like, clubs and, like, no one listens to her and she starts to play heavy metal, Amazing Grace. Oh. I'm currently trying to fit uh the lyrics from Enter Sandman into a Fanny Crosby tune right now. That's what's right. happening in my head right now. Well no, no she's playing like the heavy metal club. She's not doing anything, you know, it's just not working out well. And she starts to write hymns and and these hymns aren't in eighteen hundreds mode. I mean she's thrashing out the hymns and it just becomes great. Oh. You know, like insp- inspire it with um the two cellos version of Thunderstruck. Yeah. I think those think that direction. Yeah, you, you gotta kind of put that in there a little bit, and oh man, and you know what? It'll be Christian based, but let's make it where you know maybe she had a drug problems she overcame or something, or you know, <laughs> she spent a night on the streets. And, oh, it'd be fantastic. Okay, now here's the worst part of my personality and the years that I spent doing improv comedy, I have to fight everything inside of me to escalate what you just said. Oh, yes. yes I, <laughs> am, I am, like, just internally wrestling myself from saying really horrible things that absolutely right. are in no way true about Fanny Crosby. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, I mean, I'm more awake today, and so I'm telling you. I mean, we were very low energy last week, but now this could spiral. Uh, and you might say, this has never happened. Why would you ever even bring it up? Think back a couple years ago, uh, what was it, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, where you took uh-huh. Abraham Lincoln, a guy that would never kill vampires or whatever. Uh, it was so funny. My dad and mom hated movies. They didn't like the idea. So they came down to visit us once in Columbus, and they I think we ran out of stuff to do. Like, he wasn't feeling well, so we were going to go outside and go out. And he's like, you know, I, we don't like movies, but we want to go see a movie. And at the same time, there was the regular Lincoln movie, which was fantastic, that I think they would have appreciated. But he got confused with the regular Lincoln movie with Daniel Day-Lewis, right, who played Lincoln, with the Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. (laughs) If I was evil, I should have been like, let's go see that. But I'm like, no, Dad. It's got to be right up there with confusing 28 Days, Mm -hmm. the uh, Sandra Bullock movie with 28 (laughs) Days Later, which is a zombie movie. Yeah, that's classic, right there. Yeah. I also, technically, I really did enjoy the movie Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Hmm, that okay. actually was a really entertaining movie. Okay. It, it's the storyline of Pride and Prejudice, but part of it was that there were zombies that they also had to kill. Oh, okay. while falling in love with one another. Dad didn't make me laugh. Um, I remember doing a podcast a while back on. When the guy, Mr. Rogers, died, and kind of thinking about could you make a Mr. Rogers vampire hunter five years afterwards? Because it's interesting, like Abraham Lincoln's family, I'm wondering when that movie came out, if Abraham Lincoln's family was, what the heck, you know? He didn't kill uh, van, you know, zombies or whatever, you know? Are there Lincoln 
family members still alive? Well, I'm sure it's like a just sure cousin. Or a... It was just a there was just a daughter right after after he had died. Well, maybe not direct descendants, but like a you know, like a cousin, great uncle, or a, you know. I did learn this fact recently that uh, on paper, uh, it, it was the first somebody wrote uh, Abraham Lincoln when he was younger actually did wrestle. He was oh. he did a lot of wrestling in mm-hmm. front of crowds. He was basically a professional wrestler before he was president. Uh, he is credited. Uh, the first person they wrote down the the story of the match that he had had, he is credited as the first person to do the choke slam, where he picks somebody up by the neck and slam them down on the ground, because he was so tall. They wrote about him doing that in a match, and so he's really the person who invented wow. the choke slam that the Undertaker used. Now, see, I, I think to be faithful to. Mr. Rogers, though, it would be Mr. Rogers helping people see that the vampire is misunderstood and needs to be shown kindness. I was just going to say you could make a whole club because they make memes and stuff about Mr. Rogers and what is it, Steve Irwin uh, and LeVar Burton and, you know, like these guys and make a team of these people, Bob Ross, make a team of them. They have to fight zombies, but they're all so nice. Like they're like, oh, this that zombie's a beauty. You know, <laughs> well, and to be honest, like, how many Iron Man's like, could you have or nice Captain America's and like trying to preserve them? I think that would be great. It would be wholesome. We, and we need a new Marvel universe. I mean, you can only have so many Iron Man's and you know Captain Americas and everything. You, I, you, I think uh, comic book people would disagree with you. There are <laughs> there, there are not enough. Right, but you got to introduce a new lineup. You know, you got to sit there and say. Hey, you know, we got to get the nice guys. I, you know, whatever you want to call them. It, it'll be great. So, well, we've got a lot of good stuff we got to talk about tonight, um, including uh, we're going to talk next about a non-Christian dating site, a MAGA-inspired dating site. So if you want to, if you're a MAGA fan and you want to date other MAGA people, there you go. Um, we'll talk about that. Um <laughs> We gotta be careful. This next topic is getting into the sweet spot of what we talked about in the past. Um, this past weekend, Cedar Point couple was I, I, I don't know how blue we want to get here. Making love You're or having sex. Chose this topic. Yeah, yeah, were, or whatever. It was. They good. were enjoying the Ferris wheel in a way that you are not supposed to be enjoying a Ferris wheel. Well, and on top of that, and I, I sent you guys this link. Why, probably, why are there worse things? Wow. Well, I sent you a link around 7 o'clock. It came later in the day. There was a another couple, I believe. or it was I don't know if there were a couple. There were two women who literally recreated Thelma and Louise of the weekend in Northwest Ohio. Cool. They did a police chase until they ran out of gas. Now, I don't know if they understood the movie Thelma and <laughs> Louise, but they really did That didn't. is not what happened at the end of Thelma and Louise. Right, right. Well, they survived. They didn't drive off a cliff or anything. Uh, so we'll talk about that. So, Spoiler. And honestly, <laughs> Florida, hey. Florida played a role in both of those. I just put them in the wheeze on my, on my Netflix queue, man. I was going to watch yeah. it this weekend, and you spoiled it. Well, a lot of that. There's a five-year I, rule when you're talking about movies. If you haven't watched there. it in five years, I'm allowed to spoil it. Right. Well, I'm going to bring up, too, maybe there's a sinister plot be- behind why this happened over the weekend. But we'll talk about that soon. All right. And then also Steelers. Um, we 
uh, we really need to get in the Steelers. Uh, we're kind of going old school, like we talked about before. Uh, we're going to have two segments about the Steelers. One kind of looking back at the game last weekend against the Seahawks, and one looking ahead to this weekend's preseason game against Jacksonville. A lot of thoughts. Um, I got a feeling we're going to be talking Trubisky v. Pickett. Because, you, you know, some of these shows, like, you call people beforehand and say, hey, take the Mitch Trubisky side or, hey, be a Kenny Pickett person. But I'm seeing with you two, there's becoming a debate there. So, and I didn't even have to, you know, generate all, or all, say. All Adokin all the time. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's the side I'm going to take. You guys he's already, take he's already got a picking. jersey. Yes. I didn't even know they made them yet. I don't he even stole, know if they made them for him. He sold Josh Dobbs' number. There's just uh, Jobs scratched out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So lots With of thoughts about silver that. Silver Sharpie. Yeah. <laughs> so join us. Um, and then I, I got to talk sometime. I, I was going to make a separate topic, but we got so much other stuff to talk about. Sometimes tonight we're also going to talk about Paul's new horn group. I saw. Oh, a post. I got to find out. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We, we saw that post, and I need it, to know. It may not be a separate topic, but we got to throw that in somewhere in All the right. next couple. But of at topics, the beginning so. of but at the beginning of this podcast, we started talking about relief pitchers in baseball from the yes. 1980s. So you, you, you never know. <laughs> yeah, it what might... we're going to talk about. In the first two minutes, we were already talking about relief pitchers from the 1980s. If I, I don't even know how it happened. I'll have to listen back to find out how it happened. <laughs> Who knows? If we're awake enough, we do 20 segments. Maybe we'll do 10 tonight just on Paul's new horn group. That'll be great. <laughs> Need to know more. Five hours of podcasting about horn group. It'll be amazing. All right. So check us out. Again, check out Cash App. Wonderful way of paying people. Um, I, I was sharing with our Monday audience. Uh, Friday was a real crazy day at work. Um, my lawnmower guy came without even asking to mow my yard, which is great. I was about ready to call him. I didn't even have time to go to the door and say, well done, sir. So I just typed in the money I paid him, hit send, and he was so happy because he called me the other day. He's like, are you going to pay me? I'm like, check your cash app. He's like, whoa, you already paid me. I'm like, yeah, I paid you while you were doing it. Cash app, it's a wonderful way of paying people. If you're busy, you don't have to go through all the hubbaloo of, you know, trying to find cash under your cushion or whatever. Um, so download Cash App, attach your account to it. Uh, Cash App will pay you five bucks. I used to say we'll pay you five bucks. It's I not our... five bucks to rub together. Yeah, right you, now, you so. always worried me whenever you were saying <laughs> right. we'll give you five. I don't have five dollars. <laughs> it's Cash App, and they're wide resources. They, I want them they... to sign up for Cash App and send right. me cash. Right. <laughs> It's also a wonderful way of paying back the uh, podcasters who give you this material for free. Yes, yes. We keep giving without asking for it back. So download the app. So now we're asking. Yeah, we're we're begging. (laughs) Soon Uh, it will be a demand. Yes, yes. Uh, All right, well, we'll see you guys next segment. Have a good one. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.